thanks for joining us today for another Coach on the Run. I'm Jenny Antelak, President of Learning Journeys, and with me today is Kristen Wormus. She is VP of Coaching Excellence, and Terza Lewis, who is VP of Creative Development. Together, we are a motley crew of skilled coaches who take the art and discipline of coaching seriously, and hopefully we don't take ourselves too seriously. Every episode, we present a problem that we see people trying to solve, and we tackle it from a coaching perspective. We keep it 100% real, real examples, tools, and techniques to demonstrate the power of coaching. Today's topic tackles the question of how does our awareness affect our relatedness? Relationships at home and at work have been notoriously difficult. One of our biggest challenges is navigating them um, and noticing how we are impacting those people around us so that our, we, our interactions are more what we really want to have experience. Um, often we're running on autopilot and when things break down, we wonder what went wrong? And rarely do we ask the question, what was the role that I played in that? Yeah. I played a role? Yes. And I think as we transition back to engaging with other people face to face, person to person, at work, at gatherings, at these events all over the place. And while we are super excited, we also aren't that skilled anymore at doing these things. And we are struggling with how do I interact because we we have shifted the way that we do this. And I don't think we're even conscious of this shift. Yeah. You know, recently I was talking to a woman in an HR group who was saying it's exactly that. Like people are coming into the office and then they're not quite sure how to navigate because we got so used to um making sure that everybody knew that we were working or we were present, we were accounted for because our, you know, our in office or our teams or whatever it was, was turned on. And so now it's kind of like people feel a little bit awkward about going to the water cooler and just talking about what happened this week or this month or, you know, over the weekend, because it doesn't look like I'm working. Oh no. And she was asking, you know, what's, what is it with that? And I said, you know, really, we are very adaptable creatures. And so we adapted to becoming our output and that being where our worth and our, um, our importance and our meaning lay in the fact that I could contribute and this is the way I contribute. And so when all of the different parameters came and they shaped how that was now measured or seen, we shaped ourselves to fit that mold. And now we're having a hard time unshaping ourselves from being, you know, just the facts, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that uh, what our worth was made up of before the pandemic was I could see and hear all the different elements that were going on at work. And so even if it wasn't my role, I could hear Kristen talking to you, Terza, about something and I could be like, hey, here's an idea and I could contribute in different elements and I wasn't stuck in the silo of it doesn't fit my parameters of what I do and don't do. And then when we shifted, all of a sudden it was just, oh, at 10 o'clock, I got to show that I did something <laughs> at 12 o'clock. And, and so we became 
rather than connected in a sense of community, we became almost robots or it was became very transactional. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was a lot of angst that came with that is that it became very scary in the space of if you don't see me, do you value me? Yeah. And, and now I think that in your shaping that you talked about, I think we shaped ourselves all the way to the other side of that is that if you don't see my output and constant output, do you value me? Right. We almost, we overcorrected in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Jenny, what was that statistic from Gallup that, um, about best friends at the workplace? Well, so this was before the, we split up, <laughs> broke up <laughs> with each other. Uh, that's one of the high metrics that um, evaluated if we were productive, if we were engaging, if we, if we actually were healthy as an organization was, do I have a best friend at work? And if that is the case, then you had a greater chance and I think it was seven times greater chance of people being um, more loyal, more productive, more engaging with customers. Uh, that all of these elements that we're trying to recapture today were in place. And now we don't know how to engage again to have those types of friendships. We don't, we don't really know who we are. We changed during those two years. And I definitely don't know who you are and where, where and how do I reconnect with you so that it's meaningful. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's really kind of taking us back to those questions earlier of how did I matter before all this and how do I matter now? Mm-hmm. And while we try to answer those logically, there's also unseen reasoning happening in the background and in the end, it refuses to be ignored. Um, but a lot of times we have no concrete way of trying to access that information. Um, sorry, um, it's that awareness that we need to wake up in order to fully function well together again. Yeah, we lost you, Kristen. Oh my gosh, could you hear me at least? Yes. Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> can hear you, but all of a sudden. My computer, but uh, I was trying to like tell it, no, not now, we're in the middle of a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> nice, you're, you're learning how to work with us as we're talking exactly. about working with others. Uh, I well, and I think this piece of, um, how I matter and what matters uh, goes to the the element that we talk about always in coaching is that we are storytellers and we are picking up information over and over again and then translating that information into meaning and how we translate it as we tell a story. We tell a story to ourselves or to other people of this is what this means. And because all of the elements that we used to use to define meaning have kind of shifted. Now, what what are the stories we're telling? And are they stories of belonging or are they stories of disconnection? And, And then how does that impact how I relate to you? And how does it impact how I feel you are relating to me? And do we have a sense of belonging? And if not, how, how do we help people wake up to that so that they can redefine connection 
and what has meaning. Right. You know, Jenny, I think you mentioned that managers see this and even when employees can't like, we, or even the fact that we can name it in our minds will help us to reconstruct what is actually happening here because all of this does have an impact. When you think about the great resignation and how everything kind of like all these people decided they were gonna up and leave, when all of the noise died down, people really realized like, hey, I really want to have this sense of meaning and purpose and going back into the workforce now, past the great resignation, right? This wave of people now re-entering the workforce, that didn't take away the need for that. And so the stories that people are making about connection and disconnection really matter because it's mattering as to how how does a person feel like they fit in here? How do they feel like they, they contribute in a way that will keep them not only just physically here, but engaged at work so that not only are they happy, but our output as an organization doing the thing we were called to do in the world, whether it's healthcare or teaching or whatever, that it actually remains high, that we hold up those standards and those qualities. That all comes from the stories that I'm telling myself as a person doing the work mm-hmm. about whether or not this is a place where I do um, have a place to contribute, be engaged and connect. So those mm-hmm. questions and those stories really do matter to the bottom line of companies, but I think that we don't have a really great way of getting at how do we help people um, to, to decipher this and to get through it or think through it. Exactly. Well, I think, I think we do. I think that <laughs> uh, society is trying to grab at things, trying to figure out how to do this. And, and they're, they're really, grabbing at the air or not, or at surface responses. And I don't know that it's helping. And I cut you off, Kristen. No, that's okay. Um, I was just going to say that we've been hearing over the last week that when people are returning back to the office, there's, there's the new people who maybe never met in person. And then there's, you know, maybe the old people who've been there forever, but not physically in the office. Um, And it's, one of the challenges seems to be is how, you know, how am I relating back to the old people and how do I now relate to these new people? And so emotions are running high. Um, people are feeling um, like there's a lot of tension um, and we all seem to be on the edge of misinterpretation. Um, but the reality is, and I think what this model is going to show us is that we're all translating things differently. I'm trying to figure out what will help us determine not only how I matter, but what matters, what we've just been talking about. And to your point, Jenny, solutions that people are throwing at this are a dime a dozen. I think people and businesses are going back to all the trainings and all the solutions that they've known in the past world. Um, and they didn't really work great then, and they certainly aren't going to work well now. And so that's why we want to present this coaching approach to this um, problem. We really need someone not to tell us what to do, but to expertly hold that space for us so that we can figure out these important questions, the answers to these questions, because we're the ones who have to figure this out for ourselves. And so what if somebody were to help us by asking us the perfect, powerful question at the perfect moment? Um, And I love this model, this learning journeys model up here in just a second. It's called the being model. Um, 
And this really, this model is going to help us pull things apart for ourselves as individuals so that we can try to understand and take a step back as an observer to see what is really going on in this new environment. Um, and it helps us understand um, what our set and reset points are. Yeah. You had said, Kristen, or mentioned um, that it doesn't really work for somebody to come in and tell us what we need to do. And and if we are going to set or reset our parameters or even our awareness, it starts with having people first become observers or witnesses of what am I doing right now? And then what pieces of this do I want to change that really align with who I want to be? And, and so in this model, the, the inside piece of it is always going back to who do I want to be? And, and then looking at what information am I taking in every single moment of every day and how am I translating that? And based on my translation, how is it influencing what I do and not do? and getting to that outcome. But you had also talked about, Kristen, this piece of new people and old people, is that we have this mishmash of individuals coming back into the office and depending on the where they were before, how they translate is different. We hmm. might all be taking in the same information, but if I was at a different company with a different culture that they uh, said that this means this. If somebody interrupts you, it means they're rude. If somebody um, adds to what you're saying, it means that they love what you're saying. It doesn't, but we don't know how people are translating and we don't know how that's influencing how they're being. And and so to have people all start at the same place and, and have a, a space to say, what information are we intaking? What, what am I using my formula for translating and how is it influencing me? How is it influencing others? And how is it influencing our environment? And just those simple questions can make all the difference in the world. Well, this model, I, what I love about it is that it's so simple, but it's so thorough in allowing us to look through and look at the underlying meaning um, that is actually taking place in our heads as we have these conversations with one another. And it's so funny. We think about this and it's, we, we've been talking about it in the context of work because we're all trying to navigate those spaces again. But the reality is it doesn't have to be a huge thing at work. And Jenny, you and Kristen and I were talking about something as simple as um, just how we notice little things like the shoes that someone's wearing and how we we do this process of interpretation and, and meaning assignment, even in the smallest little things. So can you guys share about, uh, about that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Jay. I was just going to ask you, Jenny and Terza, since we talked about this, when you see someone in flip-flops, what's your immediate translation? Well, it depends on who it is. Uh, if it's my son, my interpretation is he was too lazy to go find his other shoe. So <laughs> I, if it is somebody else, I immediately think, oh, they're laid back. Yeah, laid back, easygoing. That's where I go. Um, it's funny thing is my husband is from the Caribbean 
And I saw this firsthand when he got here to the United States. Um, in the Caribbean, there's this thing where your shoes are always very cared for. And uh, particularly your sneakers, or if you say trainers or tennis shoes, depending on where you are in the world, that they're blindingly white and always just pristine. And it's for him, it's a thing that says like, I care about my appearance. I, and I care enough about you person seeing me walk down the street that I will, you know, make my appearance presentable. So he was appalled when he came to the United States and saw the conditions of some people's sneakers. <laughs> well, and I think that, that that's such a great example because we are all interpreting information all the time and something as simple as having an experiment with your team or with individuals to say what are you noticing about the person right next to you and and what translation are you making because of that and how is it influencing your interaction mm -hmm. and those three questions can wake people up to oh my gosh when have i checked out how accurate that story is. Right, right. Which goes back to what we were saying in the beginning. What? I'm a part of this too? Absolutely. We always talk about back in the day, you know, in all the communication classes, communication is a two-way street. Oh, but it's got like alleyways and culverts and like Dark side streets galore. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so, well, we thank you for being with us today. We are... Uh, at the end of this particular exercise. However, we do have both this model and this exercise available for you in an online course, which you can find by going to learningjourneys.net slash calendar. That first um, icon there will allow you access to be able to uh, get a hold of this information and try it out with your team, try it out for yourself. We have a small experiment about shoes uh, in there so you can take stock of your own thoughts and patterns, um, but also just the model itself to walk through with your teams is such a valuable resource. So we thank you all for joining us and we hope to see you again soon in another Coach on the Run.